Hey, what's good, everybody? It's Jet Black Extreme, and we are back at it again with another episode of the Zone Podcast. With me today, we have Koku Gatsu. How you doing today? Hey, we're doing pretty good over here. Y'all make sure y'all come visit still Fantasy Club Zone. Right now, we got all different types of stuff that I'm looking forward to doing and wanting to share with you guys. We're talking a whole lot about Genshin Impact. A lot of people starting to share. I appreciate you guys for being able to share and actually visiting us here. Come on and stay. We're going to talk about some other things, too. We could talk about all things fantasy. So, loving you guys. Loving that y'all listening to the podcast. And loving you guys stopping by to visit. And also with me today, we have Talos Gundam. How are you doing today, sir? What's good, everybody? This is that friendly neighborhood admin, as always. I, I, I see, I see uh, my boy over here stealing my, stealing my uh, <laughs> advertisement, you know ideas but at the same time it's all good it's all up um yeah please come visit us come visit all the zones in particular like i said mecca zone um i do have some things that i'm trying to get cleared and want to do um i literally am trying to put something together in the works with a local shop here where i live with for a Sort of a mecha zone kind of competition. Um, Want to be able to let people bring their uh, model kits out. You know, I know some people may not live in Georgia. I, I understand this and everything else. That's why I'm just trying to make sure I figure this out. It might just be a Georgia-based thing for the moment, but it, it, you know, it, it's it's something. It, it's it's something. So definitely trying to do that, trying to see what's going on with, with that, among other things. But be on the lookout. Um, once again, once again, ladies and gentlemen, we had apple pie last week. You know, we, we had we had all some of the great pies last week. This week here starting up, I got cakes. I got cakes on deck. I got, I got them all on deck now. You know what I'm saying? I'm a purveyor of cakes. We got that red velvet. You know what I'm saying? We got a nice German chocolate, that carrot cake. We got some of the nice pound cake. You know, that regular buttercream. Come show your love. Get a slice. <laughs> well, overall, y'all, just come through. I love you and I hate you at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, listen to the podcast. It's time that we continue the Dragon Ball Z Extreme Review with the Frieza Saga. And considering that the Frieza Saga, among the other sagas, is going to be one of the most talked about of the three. Well, that's not entirely true, but let's just say that with the Frieza Saga, it's going to be a big one. So uh, don't be surprised if it's split up into three parts. but there's a lot going on. So with that being said, let's go ahead and zone in on it. Now, the Frieza saga begins, like, just nearly after the fight with um, Vegeta. And Krillin overhears Vegeta mentioning the original set of Dragon Balls from Piccolo's homeworld, which is the planet Namek. And that's pretty much how, well, it's also in the Saiyan saga, but... Right now, we know that Pickle is not some uh, demon magician. Uh, well, he kind of is, but all I'm saying is, at least he's from a different planet. 
So it's kind of like the same thing with the Saiyans, where we're just now finding out that, oh, there's alien races out there, and apparently we're already introduced to some of them, but it is what it is. Uh, anyways, Goku, he was recovering from his injuries from fighting Vegeta, so while he was out of commission, Gohan, Krillin, and Boma depart for Namek to use the Dragon Ball to revive Piccolo, uh, Yamcha, Tien, Chaozu to after the whole fight with um, Vegeta and Nappa, and you know that one Cyberman that killed Yamcha. <laughs> but upon their arrival to Namek, well, they stopped at a false Namek, but you know that was just you know a filler kind of thing. But they eventually do make it to the real Namek, where the three of them discover that Vegeta and his superior, um, the Emperor of Evil, the Galactic Tyrant Frieza himself, already there, and they're all looking for the Dragon Ball. But Vegeta and Frieza, in typical megalomaniacal fashion, they want the Dragon Balls to obtain immortality. And Vegeta, being stronger than before because of the Zenkai boost, he thinks that, oh, because he's now a little stronger than he was uh, before, he thought that it's time to seek this opportunity to rebel against Frieza. So you have this whole game of cat and mouse where Frieza, Vegeta, Gohan, and Krillin, they're all trying to get the Dragon Balls, stealing um, Dragon Balls from each other in almost a comedic fashion. And no one managed to possess all seven at any given time up until the near end of the Frieza saga. And while all of this is going on, before the Ginyu Force got involved, Vegeta managed to dispatch some lesser characters but what I mean by lesser characters, I mean people like Kui and all those other minions. But the lieutenants in particular would be Zarbon and Dodoria. And one by one, he kills them. But uh, yeah, so far with this, I will say with the Frieza saga, you got to give it up to it because... The Frieza saga pretty much brings us back to Dragon Ball to a degree, to where it's more about finding the Dragon Balls rather than, oh, there's some great evil out there in the world. We got to go stop them. No, it's not like that. It's just more about they're just trying to revive their friends. And it's just coincidentally, they end up running into Vegeta and Frieza on the way. So now they have an obstacle to face it. Um, pretty much kind of like. Emperor Pilaf, but way more deadly and way more stakes at large. But enough about that. Uh, let's start with uh, Talos. How do you feel about the Frieza saga? Um, where do I begin? Like, like, where where do I begin? So. Let, 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 I'm gonna try to start at the beginning, not jump too much, but we, let's let's just try here. So slow it down you, if you need to. So you got you got this first portion where, as as we just said, Krillin heard, "Hey, there are other Dragon Balls out here," you know. So that means we can wish people back. Okay, all right. 
this is still leading up to before Boma changed. Because as you said, this is still going back towards, it still holds on towards the Dragon Ball-esque type of deal. And Dragon Ball Boma, I want y'all to understand, Dragon Ball Boma was an idiot. A straight, I did not dunce. I don't care how smart she was. She was, she, in the words of in the words of some southern parents, she was she was smart enough to pour piss out of boot. Mm. That's just that's just uh, how it she had book that, sense. She had book good, sense, but she, she didn't have common sense. She had book smart, but she had no street smart. <laughs> that part. That's sad like, because Boma I was got, anyway Boma, when I was growing up. Like Boma got on my nerves. I'm just saying, Boma got on my nerves. I while. I do understand, you know, Boma finding technology is, you know, is a thing and everything else. And, you know, of course, they're trying to make it be like, oh, yeah, you know, she's excited and whatnot. Truthfully, let me be real here. Once again, Boma didn't start getting useful until towards the end of this arc. So, Boma... Boma was a little bit of an annoyance to me. <laughs> second, second, and I'm, gonna try, I'm trying to stay right here at the current moment. Secondly, Krillin and Gohan. They were on the right track. And I say, and the reason why I say they were on the right track here is because throughout this, they were starting to develop, and it showed. It literally showed. Gohan was getting a little more mean. And I mean, like, he wasn't so out there where it was like, hey, I'm not, I know I got to fight. I'm not finna die out here. I know I got to fight. I'm trying to get back home to do things the way I want to. I know I got to fight. So it was showing. And this is where... I am one of the ones that agree with the pop with the unpopular opinion of Dragon Ball Z should have been for Gohan. Yeah, it should it should have been for Gohan because of reasons, but I'll get to that later on. Mm. Krillin and Gohan, like I said, they they literally started to show out a little bit. I I was very much happy. I I, I was I was very much happy. Um, when they got towards, you know, flying in space and and that whole little section going towards Namek where they met up with, I guess, like these uh, this other race of beings that looked sort of human. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in that, I guess on that planet or ship, I forget which, what it was, where it, like it mirrored, it mirrored space to protect them, basically. Um, once again, like I said, Bomber was trash. <laughs> like Bomber was getting in the way for no reason. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Team Four Star Bridge when she would always complain about Gohan and um, Krillin uh, always abandoning her. But uh, use your common sense on this. First of all, you're not even super powered. You're just a regular scientist girl, so you have no fighting prowess. Uh, that's like saying either Gohan and Krillin should just sit there and just stay with her 
and uh, just hopefully the Dragon Ball just fall into their lap, or she can get into the fray and help find the Dragon Balls and risk her life in the process. So, what do you want to do, Boma? Now, uh, also with Krillin and Gohan, yes, I do agree that they have shown character development in this process of going to Namiku, uh fight. Well, they didn't intentionally want to fight, but they were trying to find the Dragon Balls, but unfortunately, they had to deal with Vegeta and the Freezer Force. Yeah. With Krillin, I will say, y'all gotta give points to Krillin, because he has been more helpful than you think. Because think about it, if Krillin didn't overhear uh, what Vegeta said, the whole trip to Namek wouldn't even happen. Not only and that. And then... Yeah, go ahead. You know... You know, not only not only that, with with the whole situation of it, like if Krillin didn't figure out a lot of things, like okay, that uh, the elder of of Planet Namek could release their potential and whatnot, like it it was there. So I, you got to give Krillin his props. Krillin literally came through clutch in this entire section of it. Right. Like, so and you, I also, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to uh, kind of get off rail a little bit while saying with Gohan, although, yes, I do agree that at the, the very least, just like what a lot of people are saying, where it really should have ended at the Frieza saga, uh, I would have felt like if they tried to make that Gohan's arc. I feel like his character development would have been a little bit more sloppy compared to the Cell Saga to where Gohan had to put his pacifism to the side and do what he had to do to uh, save the planet from being destroyed from Cell. But that's just another topic for another day. Um, I'm just spitting out there just for example. Uh, For his character development, yes, uh, if that was going to be Gohan's saga, I mean, Gohan's arc to succeed his father, then they definitely need to like, cram way more character build. I'm not saying that there wasn't any, but if it was going to be the arc where Gohan finally gets the spotlight, then they would have to cram it to a point where Gohan would end up being the legendary Super Saiyan, but they gave that to Goku. And even though not to jump in that moment, but that's like saying, okay, if it was supposed to be for Gohan, then Gohan should have became the Super Saiyan. Uh, it should have been Goku that either died or was like gravely injured and all that shit. But they pretty much set that up for Goku. And honestly, the whole thing with Goku becoming the legendary Super Saiyan and all that, if they just left it alone right there, it would have been great. But they didn't because fans demanded more. And that's what I kind of don't like about fandoms nowadays, to where the fandoms are a bunch of dizzy bitches. I'm sorry. Y'all are a bunch of dizzy <laughs> bitches because y'all say y'all want more, but when they give you more, then you complain about it. And then on the other side of the coin, y'all will say, like, okay, let's just keep it condensed or keep it short and simple. And I don't know. It's like that's just the whole thing with trying to appease so many different people all at once because different people want different things so 
nobody really questions the preferences and the taste of other fans. They just rather get mad at the uh, person making the content. But you got to understand that from a content creator's point of view, whether you're podcasting, Twitch streaming, art, whatever you may be doing, there's going to be some people that just do not like what you're doing. And ultimately, either you suck or you're just going to have to persevere and keep doing what you're doing until the right people do show up to show their support. Either way, oh, yeah. there's just going to be some people that just not going to really like what you're doing. They're going to be disagreeable to some extent, and that's okay. It's okay for agreements and disagreements to coexist in this world. That's just how it is. But point being, don't pander to the wrong people. And it's kind of hard to kind of decipher, or or not decipher, kind of detect whether they're the right people for your brand or not. But just because you have some Twitter heads going online talking about, oh, they did this and that, blah, 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 and all that shit. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Some people just gonna interpret your uh, work differently from other people. If oh, yeah. there are people that appreciate your work for what it is, which I do, like, hell, uh, I can see so many plot holes and flaws with Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball DT, Dragon Ball Super. I see the flaws. I hear y'all. But I still like it for what it is because let's never forget that Dragon Ball Z is the most, I would say one of the most, but just for point, uh, speaking for myself, it is the most influential shonen anime bar none. Because how many people out there in the world would say that they... Excuse me. It's just almost a impressive, influential turn of events to where you have a lot of people out there hitting the gym just because of Dragon Ball Z. I'm just saying, like, if you, it's 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 almost like the same level as Pokemon. How influential uh, Dragon Ball Z really is. If you have people out there, pretty much shaping their whole lives or at the very least part of their perspective from these works then that gotta tell you that for some reason they're doing something right with this show but then again not everything's perfect nothing's perfect so it's either you like it for what it is or you leave it alone i mean i i can i can understand that here we are criticizing things but that's just it. Sometimes we criticize out of love, not hate. It's not always like that. Because yeah. if you're just thinking, oh, we're just being haters just because we're criticizing it, you're wrong. Because sometimes we criticize the things that we love because we want it to be better than what it is. We want you to improve. And here's our constructive criticism on how you can improve on what you did wrong. It doesn't always mean that we're hating. It's not saying that, oh, we're just unsatisfied with whatever you um, put in our face. It's just more like we deserve, we reserve the right to not like something. Now, if you want to speak on what you dislike about it, 
you have the freedom to. And it's that's just the whole thing. It's like uh, if it causes discourse or whatever, then all I will say is this. Whatever you agree with or disagree with, it better be a hill worth dying on. That's all I have to say on that. But oh, I feel enough you. about that. Uh, Kokugasu, your turn. Uh, how do you feel about the freedom saga? Oh, is it my turn? Oh, okay, hold on. I got to put on my nerd glasses. Give me a second. <clears throat> <laughs> all right. If any of y'all have been following, for everyone who has been following the podcast since day one, in general, y'all understand that I am the person that breaks down story elements and all that just jazz and shit like that. So I remain silent on purpose. Waiting for my turn. I'm glad you let me go right after Talos. So I want to break down the story element in this one, okay? So I'm going to correct a couple flaws and then break down a few things that I want y'all to, un- to, to help understand, okay? During this time and period... Before this you pre- begin, What's up? <laughs> and before you begin, that's why I said what I said about criticism. We don't just criticize out of hate. Sometimes we got to criticize out of love because we want y'all to do better. Not in an annoying way, but let's just be honest. You can do better. Go ahead. Exactly. No, you're good. But no, so I just want to get a chance to start off into this one. First off, this right here, for a lot of people didn't like, this is why I really love Dragon Ball Z. I went back and watched this multiple times, and I loved how TFS actually, like Team Four Star did a great job in bringing the importance of this. And a lot of people skip past this quickly because everyone assumes it is filler. It is not. This is actually very, very good story writing. But let me start from the beginning on this. So the end of the Saiyan saga, right? You had mentioned this that Krillin had overheard about the Dragon Balls uh, from the scout. That's actually not what happened. What actually happened, and this was one, this was something that happened as far as like one of the things about dub versus sub situations from the manga into the anime adaptation. Per the written for the manga, what actually happened was this. Krillin was talking about how upset he was that Piccolo had died. Because when Piccolo died, Kami also died. And because of that, Mm. the Dragon Balls were inactive. They had no idea what to do. Krillin remembered from the Dragon Ball series, from the previous series, he remembered hearing about King Piccolo constantly raving about the fact that he was a warrior clan who could also make Dragon Balls. (laughs) So that's when he realized, okay, so... Vegeta and Nappa had already mentioned when they saw Piccolo that they were like, what is the Namekian doing here? And that's when they really got an understanding of, okay, there's an alien race here that's already inhabiting this planet type of thing. So because of that, Krillin, this is one of his intelligent moments, was able to put two and two together. King Piccolo had created the Dragon Balls and he remembered that. And so he remembered that case. And because of that, he was like, wait, if Piccolo was from another planet and they can create Dragon Balls, then that means that if we go to his planet, that he's where he's at, we can find out where his planet is, we might be able to find the Dragon Balls. <laughs> and this is one of the things where Team Four Star had made a good mention of this. Uh, Vegeta was still inside his space pod and he was still tuned in. His space pod was tuned into their scouters. So he overheard it in Nappa's scouter. And he was like, okay, so I can go get this Dragon Ball. But then he realized, wait, Nappa's scouter is still on, which means also Frieza heard about it. 
So Frieza hears that there's a planet called Nanak. There's <laughs> a planet of a race of Namekians that make Dragon Balls that can grant any wish. I can wish for immortality. Vegeta realizes this and he's like, crap. I need to hurry up and get to this planet. And I need to wish myself for immortality before Frieza gets immortality. But this was something that was quickly brushed over. If you read the manga, this was actually a more intense conversation that Vegeta had in his head. It was a little monologue that he had that was actually very important that failed to translate over into the anime. The other thing that happened is when they got to Fake Planet, um, Fake Planet Namek, we don't really understand more until Super, you know, during the Granola arc and the Moral arc as well. Other planets know of Planet Namek. They know of these magical wish-granting Dragon Balls, but they don't really go to Planet Namek like that. They purposely held a secret. So the reason that there's a fake Planet Namek was actually on purpose to prevent Frieza and her army from ever finding the real Planet Namek. It was purposely set up like that, and I like how Talos had mentioned about the planet they went to had a fake mirror space that was supposed to like protect them, it was on purpose to purposely protect the real planet Namek to protect these magical wish-granting Dragon Balls. And again, is further on in Super that we understand Beerus knows about these Dragon Balls. Beerus already knows all about this, and so does Wiz. But the person who was most important that should know that they purpose that is purposely hidden from is Frieza and his army. Even King Cold heard about some special thing, like it's a special way you can get whatever wish you want, but he had no idea where it was at. He had no idea how to find it because all the planets purposely hid planet Namek. And so that was actually on purpose for the writing that they visit the fake planet Namek because that was what it was intended to do. And the other thing about this too, when they came into another planet, the little the little people that had they wound up invading the ship and they was like, oh, my God, we're about to die. And this was one that Team Four Star getting made fun of, but it was important in the plot element. The, the people immediately was like, it's Frieza's army. They specifically said it's Frieza's army. And even in the anime, they said that, too. This was the writing development that was supposed to first imply that there was some greater force, some greater entity out there that people are afraid of. So you have the fake planet Namek on purpose that's supposed to hide the real planet Namek. Why? Well, then this next group of people says, oh, my God, they're afraid because, oh, my God, it's Frieza's people. It's it's Frieza's army. They've finally come. We have to defend ourselves or die. And this was purposely where It was like post-apocalyptic and all that shit. Kind of. But it was also, but yeah, because they were escaping this. Okay. I was just trying to picture which planet because it sounds familiar, but go ahead. Well, yeah, no. So, yeah, they were on the spaceship. And what happened was in the spaceship was that they were, um, like, they had wound up shooting at them. And that's when, like, Team Four Star was so funny as this one was like, Krillin and Gohan are like, oh my God, we're about to die. There's nothing we could do. And then they shoot them. And then Krillin's like, oh, wait. Their, their weapons don't hurt. They don't, they don't do anything. And people's like, oh my God, they're immune to our weapons. We're going to die. And then they all like 
run away and die in space. <laughs> it was like, what the hell? But it, again, this was supposed yeah. to be, this was an intense writing moment. It was supposed to really show that there's, these other people are so deftly afraid of this freezer person. What is going on? Like, what are we about to walk ourselves into? There was really good foreshadowing that was written in the story, but it's one of those cases that if you read the manga, you didn't feel it. You didn't understand. The anime adaptation, because the anime was, was so heavily focused on action, completely written over all of that. They wrote over a lot of story elements, which is a very common thing that we know happens from manga to anime. More recently now, we're starting to get more story inside anime, so we're able to enjoy it more. You know, like, example, My Hero Academia, even though, like, a lot of people complained about the last season that came out because they're like, dang, there wasn't as much action. It was more, like, story elements. There was more people talking, but, like, that's important. You, you need to know the story elements to understand why the action is important. There's, there's more than just action. And mm. this is one of the best parts into it and one of my most favorite because I love there was a lot of foreshadowing and stuff. <laughs> because when I tell them you get the planet dynamic, you know, you're like, oh, this is crazy dude there that's extremely strong. And it's like, yo, what's going on? He's just sitting here killing people left and right. He's got his whole army. He's got a whole army there just decimating people, just forcibly getting stuff. <laughs> And the only other person that knows about this is Vegeta. <laughs> and so the Namekians are able to live in peace specifically because all the other planets purposely were hiding them. Because nobody wanted Frida to have immortality. All it took was one shaved head motherfucker with some burn scars on his forehead <laughs> to come up with this idea like, huh? You know, if I put two and two together, it makes four. <laughs> and the wrong person heard it. And there we go. While we wind up leading into this whole saga. So there was a whole mm-hmm. lot of writing elements that is immediately taken out. And it's one of the things that I really am sad about. But it was one of those cases that I was really happy Team Four Star didn't. Like, they didn't erase that. They still kept it there. They made it funny, of course. But it was still there. It was still important story elements. And then, right. yeah. I do back y'all about Boma because re- realistically, yeah, like it was one of those cases was the only reason that she was important is because she's the only one who knew how to work the spaceship. She's one of those people like I put it this way, you know, like you have when you have the multiple people to go to, to rob a bank, you know, you have the driver and the driver's job is to stay in the car and drive away when it's time. That was Boma's role. Her role was you get us there, you get us away. That was really it. As far as finding the Dragon Balls, your Dragon Ball radar, congratulations, it also works on Namek, too. Hey, the energies are about the same. Go figure. You know, the same race of people makes the same exact same damn thing. Of course, your device that finds this energy from it is going to work. Duh. (laughs) But other than that, she served no other purpose. That was about it. But it was also one of those cases, too, like how Talisa mentioned, the story was supposed to be about Gohan. It was, and I've mentioned this before in, in, in Dragon Ball. This, this was something I had mentioned on Dragon Ball reviews. So, Tyler, I know you wound up missing into it. I know you had a lot that you would say in this one, too. The fact that the original Dragon Ball Z, Akira, had, Mr. Toriyama even said himself that the reason he called it Dragon Ball Z is purposely because of the last letter of the English alphabet was supposed to be the final zone. 
what was supposed to happen was is that we just we're gonna get to that point, but you know, like Frieza get Frieza gets killed. Goku is also supposed to die on planet Namek again. And because he died the first time, <laughs> Dragon Ball rules and Earth state that you can't bring back somebody who that they've already brought back once before. So and Planet Namek's destroyed. So there's no other Dragon Balls that could bring him back to life type of thing. Uh, what was supposed to happen was that Gohan, half-dead Piccolo, and, uh, and Bulma were supposed to escape back to Earth. And unfortunately, in the sense of a mission failed type thing. Like, we didn't really succeed in what, exactly what we wanted. I mean, we got Yamcha and Tien back. And pretty much Piccolo, but at this point, uh, we've lost our greatest hero because we wanted to run into this major tyrant. And Gohan was supposed to take over as the new hero of the planet after his dad died. That's what was supposed to happen. But fans was like, no, bring Goku back. <laughs> right up some way that he somehow magically got the ship to work that obviously blew up in the planet and he screamed because there was nothing that he could do. It was supposed to be a tragic ending, but fans was like, no. And then and so he wanted to bring them back. <laughs> but it was supposed to be. And Gohan had that development early on, too, like we had talked about in the beginning as far as him fighting Raditz. We also got a chance to see that change of attitude that you had also mentioned as well, Talos, like right before they left. Chi-Chi was completely against it. She was like, my baby boy is not leaving this fucking planet. You're not doing this shit, Gohan. And Gohan stood up for himself, Mom, I got to do this shit. I got to do it because we got to bring our friends back. Dad can't get up. He is still healing from that last intense battle. I'm going to do this. Leave me alone. Now I know it's that words, but you get the feeling. He stood up. Yeah. Uh, as much as I like that moment, but can I also go ahead and insert one thing that kind of uh, annoyed me about the turn of events? Because I feel like they tried to do it just to give uh, pretty much the same thing with the same saga, but... It was one of those things where I feel like you're only doing this just to give these other characters some sort of spotlight, which is fair to me because like if you're gonna have all those different characters in one franchise, they should have like some sort of spotlight at some point. But my thing is, why is it that Goku being bedridden in a hospital? Yeah, he was banged up from the um, fight with Vegeta, but why is it that as soon as Gohan, Krillin, and Bulma go off to do their job to um, wish on the Namekian Dragon Balls, that's when Yajirobe showed up at that hospital, gave Goku a sensu bean, and he was, boom. Completely, he's good. He's good. <laughs> So, there actually is something there, but go ahead, tell us what you got to say. <laughs> Why are you bringing up Sinzu Bean Daddy? Why are you bringing him up? I swear to God, <laughs> <laughs> that little fat ball of fluff. Fuck that marshmallow. I don't care. <laughs> I, ooh, ooh, 
I told y'all it's all he good for. If y'all right. heard my rant, or if y'all heard my rant from the previous, y'all know that's all Yajirobi's good for. That's all he's good for. Here, since we. There, there you go. There you go. Here, but, there you go. You hear the. He did that one thing with cutting Vegeta's Fuck tail. all that. <laughs> Fuck all that. Why? Fuck all that. Why Truthfully, he wasn't, supposed, he wasn't even supposed to get that recognition. <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to get that fucking recognition. Oh, he's one of the greatest. He's one of the greatest heroes on earth. He cut off Vegeta's tail. <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> if only you knew how close he was to death. That's what makes it more intense. Like yeah. legit, like legit. I don't care what nobody tell you. Vegeta could have swiped him with his tail and he'd have died. Like, bruh, no. That's um. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Gosh. Hold on, ooh. hold on. Fuck Let that. me mention this. We're gonna get past this. We're gonna get past this. We're not gonna bring him up again. Jet black. <laughs> hey man, like at that point, he all his usefulness is out the window. That's the only thing he got going for. Like. Rain the sense of beans and cutting off that tail. That's it. After that, there's nothing is, even noteworthy to Yajirobe. But go ahead. So the thing about it is, is that sense of beans take time to grow. <laughs> so what happened is, is that when Yajirobe came by with the sense of beans the first time during the um during the Saiyan saga, that was all the sense of beans that Corrin had. <laughs> so they had to wait for some more to grow. And then when it finally growed, then he was able to go ahead and finally beat it over to the hospital and give it to Goku so he could go join the fight. That was yeah. what was supposed to happen. <laughs> it's bullshit. I know. It is bullshit. In one of those cases, like, okay, so you tell me you can only grow like four or five cents of beans at a time, which again, that was obviously a lot of stuff changed in the story because when we get to the Cell Saga, they definitely had like, you know, Seven, eight, about ten of them bitches. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> but no, it was that that was supposed to be why it is that that happened. But I do agree with you on that it doesn't quite make sense because they sure enough gave all the censor beans <laughs> to everybody else. And then literally Krillin was like, I don't we don't have any more censor beans left. <laughs> Like my whole gripe, <laughs> my whole gripe, the whole point I'm trying to um, get to is where you put these characters. It's like, oh my god, like I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's like One Punch Man to me. To where you give these characters where you're thinking, no goddamn way they stand a chance to get this villain, and then you have the champion stroll up at the last minute and be like, boom, done. Can we go home now? Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I'm glad you, that's what I thought you was going to really mention. So this was something pretty interesting to me. This is a dude that I recently started on um, following on YouTube. Uh, what was it called? DMZ Inman or something? I forgot exactly the, t- the name of the um, YouTube page, but this dude, I like it because he takes he does the same thing that I do <laughs> in our podcast. He takes all the characters and he breaks down each and every the character like to the most minute detail. From the beginning of the story to the end of the story, he even analyzes like art style as well, too, because for manga artists, you know, for mangakas, it's always the same thing. It's not just influencing the story based upon your writing. It's also in your art, too. If something is happening, how intense is your picture supposed to be? And I've been mostly following his series because he's been he's been doing a major breakdown analysis of Bleach. 
So, you know, since we got the new Thousand Year Blood War art coming. So definitely make sure you are following our page, the page, Zealous and Nerd Entertainment. Uh, we were able to actually just share the newest uh, poster that they wound up sharing for the Thousand Year Blood War arc art style as well, too. A lot of people are hyped for it, looking forward to it when it comes out. But so this dude, he actually broke down uh, specifically Gojo from Jujutsu Kaisen. And one of the things in it that, forgive me, it's going to be a kind of a slight spoiler. Um, Gojo in Jujutsu Kaisen is this immense, overpowered character, pretty much like Goku. <laughs> so what happens is, is that anytime your champion shows up, like you said, the champion shows up, wipes the floor, it's the end of the day. So there has to be some form of fashion that our champion has to be sealed away in some form of way. And he specifically mentioned in that video how it happens, how Akira has done this all the time with Goku. How he mentioned first off of Goku, after the Saiyan saga, he was badly beaten and had to be healed up in the hospital before he was finally able to leave. And so he wound up leaving days later before he got there. Um, so he wound up getting there like much, much later for stuff to actually happen. Like, like you had mentioned as well, Jet Black, like, to get that shine for the other characters to show into things before the champion finally shows up. We see this also in One Punch Man as well, too. Saitama literally mentions himself that as much as Genos will always say, hey, you always show up at the right time, Saitama himself has actually said, no, I always show up too late because by the time he shows up, people have either already died or damn near about to die type of things. Like if I showed up sooner, y'all wouldn't be in, in such critical condition that you're in type of thing. Right. And the same thing also happened for Goku too. Remember Goku had the heart disease, which, you know, they wrote into the story of like Trunks coming back in time to help prevent that. So it's the same thing. Goku still wound up suffering from the heart disease during the whole, during like the majority of the first half of the Android saga. <laughs> and it wasn't until like a Cell saga that he finally recovered from the heart disease type of thing. And that was on purpose so that way the bad guys have a chance to be like, oh, we may actually win this before the champion finally shows up. You know, <laughs> it's on purpose. It's a purposeful story element that is done in a lot um, by a lot of mangaka. They make sure they do that on purpose, because if you make such an overpowered character, every time they show up, what's the threat? How can you even make some type of enemy like that? <laughs> there has to be something into there. And like that's what's important. And that's why like the newest, I, I don't want to spoil it, but the newest chapter that came out, One Punch Man, why that was so damn intense. <laughs> because this is that moment they say Tama's like, I literally was too late <laughs> because he wound up being incapacitated for a short period of time. And all it took was that, I guess, minute, I would say that he was probably out. It was only just that one minute for shit to go so badly left <laughs> that when he showed up back from just that one minute, he realized he can't be gone at all. He has to handle this right now type of thing because when you're gone, shit gets bad. You are the champion. <laughs> and so yeah, no, it was important for that. But go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, I can understand that where, like you said, uh, essentially, uh, if the champion is always available, then there's no real threat. It's just you have the champion go uh, take care of him and it's boom, done. But mm -hmm. of course, that's way too convenient to where 
there's got to be some sort of challenge behind it. We have to really showcase just how threatening this villain actually is, because if Goku was perfectly healthy before Gohan, Krillin, Bulma left for uh, Namek, by then he would probably would have wiped the floor with um, those. Well, he wouldn't kill him outright because, you know, with Goku, it's like um, he just avoids killing, kind of like Batman um, rules. It's like he just don't uh, take any joy in killing his opponent. He, If anything, it's more like just let him go so maybe there'll be a better fight later. But that's just, that's another topic for another day. But uh, <laughs> That is true. Oh, I did also want to get a chance to mention, too. Forgive me. I realized that. Y- y'all mentioned, I told you I had a very in-depth analysis. I was waiting. I made, I waited patiently. <laughs> I wanted y'all to go. Um, when you mentioned about Vegeta versus Pui, was actually a very interesting thing, too. One of the things that Pui specifically always mentioned is the fact that he had, he would fight, he would get upset with Vegeta constantly beforehand, before Vegeta went to planet Earth. So he would constantly be upset with Vegeta, but no matter what, he was always stronger than Vegeta. That was something that was always a big thing. He was always stronger than Vegeta. So then when Vegeta shows back up again, he's like, bruh, you're weak. I'm always been stronger than you. Like he specifically mentioned that. He's like, I'm, I'm stronger than you. I've always been stronger than you. And then Vegeta's like, let's see how that works out now. <laughs> and then damn near one shots the dude. And he's like, how the hell did you get so strong? <laughs> I was always stronger than you. Now you're greatly surpassed me. How did this even happen? And then, you know, TFS, they explained that one, not, not even to him, but to one beginning for force we're going to get to the next time. But that part was still pretty interesting. That it, it was, again, it was one of those story elements that mentioned into it. Vegeta being the Saiyan, the Saiyans were significantly weaker than the rest of the Frieza force. And that was something that was supposed to be very, like, important into the story. Oh, yeah. Like how... Uh, On purpose. <laughs> how, uh... Um, <laughs> Force... Excuse me, I'm just gonna make this real quick. It's funny because <laughs> when you're watching Team Four Star Bridge, you can tell how uh, they didn't really take Vegeta all that seriously because the Ginyu Force was just straight up calling him Little Veggie. Yeah. Because he was weak. He was... Vegeta was supposed was supposedly weaker than not not like the weakest soldier. I, I would put it if you was to have like the Ginyu Force is like the special task. He gave force. Him so much credit. Yeah, yeah, like Vegeta would probably be in the rank of a captain per se. <laughs> like if you could say even Soul Society captain for Bleach or some shit like that. Like just I can name a bunch of different stuff, but you know what I mean. Like he he's like the rank of a captain as far as his strength. He's stronger than low soldiers, but he was still considered low. Um, as far as in his strength. And part of that is also because of the fact, too, his dad died when he was a kid. Most of the Saiyans, the, the race was killed off by Frieza. Frieza didn't ha- send his army in to go kill them because we've seen that happen with Bardock. But Bardock was actually, even in the in the Bardock special, not the remake, but the, the actual special of Bardock's original story when he died, Bardock was able to take down Frieza's soldiers, which means... That and Bardock was not the strongest warrior on that planet, so that means that the same race was strong. They were stronger than a lot of Frieza's force, but Vegeta was taken. Was his dad was killed when he was a kid, so the only person who could really raise him like that was going to be Raccoon and the Frieza force. So they purposely kept him weak 
I would say, like in that aspect. Vegeta had the potential to be one of the strongest, but he's not a super loyal follower to Frieza. They know this. Killed his whole race. He's probably going to look for the right moment to backstab you, <laughs> which no figure is what really happened. But it's one of those cases of they purposely kept him weak. And I, I say that because I know Talos wanted to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> real quick. Real quick. Um, I, just want, I want folks to know uh, I know some of y'all act like y'all may not remember, but Dragon we, we, I pulled from Dragon Ball Z uncut, not Kai. There's a right. difference. There, right. There's a di- there's a there's a difference. Dragon Ball Z uncut showed everything. Dragon Ball Z uncut literally told everything that basically damn near was in the manga. Like they didn't pull no punches. We we went for the uncut. There was a reason being. I, I'm saying this now. <laughs> When it came out, as how the uh, Saiyan races get stronger in Z, it literally was proven as to why Vegeta was as weak as he was before he fought Goku. There was no other race that literally could beat him. And I say this to say that those people that he were fighting, they couldn't, they couldn't fuck with Vegeta. So they really didn't give him a, they really didn't give him a reason to show, show out or grow. Being mm-hmm. under Frieza's men, he would have never really grown. So he would have stayed stagnant. So everybody else would have probably <laughs> grew around him, but he wouldn't have grown because that's not how Saiyans grow. Saiyans right. have to go in an intense battle to grow. They have to actually, literally, damn near get their asses kicked. For them to grow. Now saying that, that you know, <laughs> that, that that doesn't mean that. You know? oh, okay, hey, yeah, I'm I'm a beat these motherfuckers in here. Wait, why y'all back? I'm still struggling, y'all. No, Vegeta said that to Pui as he literally was about to kill him. Uh, do you know that Saiyans literally, if we don't die from something, we get stronger from it. I had an intense battle, please. What happens when I get... What happens after that battle, please? Oh, shit. Oh, shit's correct. Bye, please. <laughs> like, that literally is how that went. So, so, that's why I'm saying, like, I understand and I get, you know, I get that the uh, Ginyu Force, and I'm, I'm sorry to bring them up again, but I get that oh. the Ginyu Force is like, you know, hey, we're going to try to keep him weak because he may literally kill Frieza. But, honestly, if you didn't want him to kill Frieza, you should have just brought him in. Should have been more inclusive. Because, honestly, honestly, in the case of Vegeta, if they'd have been a little bit more inclusive, being truthful, yeah, Vegeta was still going to slightly hold a grudge, but Vegeta would have been more manageable. Just, uh, just, just saying, just saying. Vegeta would have been a little more man, a little more manageable, you know. But nah, you fucked around and said, okay, nah, he's a saying. We're gonna get right. him outside of this. <laughs> All right, tell us why, why? Because we don't have a whole lot of time left, and I really want to get this segment in real quick. Uh, uh, first of all, I can understand that pretty much the Zenkai boost and all that shit is. Basically, a Toriyama's way of saying what doesn't kill you will only make you stronger. So that's definitely a thing throughout this whole franchise. Now, 
with that being said, and him wasting Kui, uh, how would you feel about Vegeta going up against Zorba and the door? That's what I was waiting for. Here we That's go. what I was waiting for. Here we right go. There. Here we go. You know what? Let me go ahead yeah, and knock this out real quick. <laughs> Let me go and knock this shit out real quick. So, so we have bitch and bitch made. I'll let you I'll let you figure out who is I'll let you figure out who is who. But first, but first let, let's start this off. So we got the pink, we got the pink fucking cream puff with fucking spikes on it. AKA the Al Creamy that was thrown away in the fucking trash. Um the Doria. The Doria ain't shit. The Doria was literally not shit to begin with. I don't know why in the fuck they literally tried Vegeta like this. Like, that one nothing but a sneak attack from a puffball. Like, that don't make no fucking sense. I don't get me wrong, for those of y'all that are fans of Victoria <laughs> and um, out here, I understand. The they, 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 okay. they, they got to have fans out there somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I understand. They got to have fans out there. But fuck that cream puff. Fuck him. He underestimated Vegeta. He got his ass whooped. I want y'all to know that. He underestimated <laughs> Vegeta. He got his ass whooped. This is true. Well, okay, then, so... Then, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. We ain't finished, because we're going we gonna to include... We're going to include Mr. Uh from the Double Artemis universe. We're going to include goddamn, you know, Zarbon. We're going to include his... We're going to include his flamboyant ass. First off, I'm going to say this to you. For those of y'all in the LGBTQ plus community, I understand, you know, you don't get represented that well often. And when you do have those, you love them the way they are. Yes, Zarbon was flamboyant as fuck. Zarbon was fucking gay as hell. But I want y'all to understand something. Don't, don't, don't champion this motherfucker. Don't champion that bitch. That's a bitch. That was a whole bitch. That motherfucker sucked dick in the back of Walmart for great value prices. Fuck that <laughs> Fuck that oh, hoe. Oh. I don't give a damn. So let me tell let me explain why. Once again, once again, and no, Vegeta ain't my nigga, but he snuck him. I'm just gonna say it like it is to be truthful about it. He snuck him. He fucking snuck him. Oh god, I'm dying over here. Hold on. He snuck him. Then you gonna go and heal him. You gonna go and take him back to the to the freezer ship and heal him like a dumbass. Like the yeah, dumbass yeah. that you are, and put him right there next to the Dragon Balls, so he can just be like, "I'm finna eat these motherfuckers out of the no. ship. I'm gonna find them no. later." No, Freezer can't. No, I'm going with you finish, but let me just insert here is that I like how the whole plot was that okay, Zorban defeat um, Vegeta, leave him. Um, drowning in a lake or whatever that was in on Namek, and then as soon as he reports back to Freeze, like, "Hey, uh, Freeze, I did it. I did what you told me to." I was like, "All right, good." So, uh, do you know where the Dragon Ball bubble? And I was like, "Uh, no." And I was like, "Wait a minute. So, <laughs> let, me, let me break this down for you. <laughs> Hold on. So, you're telling me that the one guy that knew where the rest of the Dragon Balls were, you killed him." Like, oh no 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 no! Um, he maybe he's alive somewhere. If I just retreat, like, all right, good. You got ten minutes to go on retreat, more I'll kill you. But that's that's a team four star um, way of doing it. But yeah, in no reality, is like they needed him alive 
So he was like, okay, um, Vegeta, I'm going to fish you out of this lake and put you in the healing pod. And then once you're all healed up, then you can tell where the rest of the Dragon Balls are. But do you honestly think Vegeta's going to outright tell you? <sighs> I'm done. Once again, ahead, tell <laughs> once again, they act, they act like they didn't learn from the whole Pui fucker. Okay, hey, this man literally just said in context, and I know y'all bitches knew, because for some reason, every time somebody died and they scouted them, report them in near them, you motherfuckers could tell. So, literally, y'all know Pui was dead. Y'all know Pui was fucking dead. So, I'm going to say this point blank clearly. Vegeta said loud enough around Pui for y'all to hear. Hey, bitch, I done been in a battle. And I survived. <laughs> what happens to Saiyans? Hmm? Zarbon, what the fuck? Zarbon, what the fuck did you just do? You beat this nigga within an inch of his life. And then what did you do, Zarbon? You brought him back to be healed. So when you go and fight him again the second time, did you honestly think that a transformation into something so, so fucking ugly <laughs> would, would help you? No, 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 no. Right, once, once again, don't champion these bitches. Don't champion these hoes. These were two fuck-ups of goddamn wasted space of characters that I literally felt like, bro, why in the fuck did they make them? Why are they here? What was their purpose? Oh, wait, we had to have some build-up towards the Ginyu 4. No, the fuck you didn't. No, fuck you didn't. If you did, you could have built them up a little bit better than that. <laughs> you had bad built as Dodoria. I'm sorry, let me finish. You had bad built as Dodoria. Then you had goddamn, oh, excuse me, I'm Mr. Champion of Sucking Dick. Goddamn Zarbon. Fuck. Fuck is this? Oh. Waste of fucking Bruh. character development. Waste of space. All y'all did was say, hey, we're going to give one up power ups to Vegeta. That's all y'all had to say. All right, because th that's literally what the fuck happened. And can I just um just throw in there real quick how oh, yeah. I like how with Vegeta, the main the I pre pretty much the only reason Vegeta would ever tell Kui why or how his strength um got boosted from you know fighting on Earth. It was like, uh, why would you tell me this? You would never tell anybody. And I was like, because I know you won't. And I was like, and then just killed him because I was like, yep, there's my therapy right there. Like, uh, he knows, <laughs> like, we knew, like, Vegeta told Kui uh, how he was able to get so strong. But, of course, the only reason he would have to even tell Kui is because he knew that he was going to kill him right afterwards. So that way his secret still remains a secret. But he just wanted Kui to know that before he died. Like I said, I'm sorry. That shit, that shit literally bugs. That shit literally bugs me. When people used to tell me, be like, "Man, Dodoria and Zarbon were stronger than goddamn Vegeta." Man, go suck some copium out your mama little titty, bitch. I don't give a fuck. God. That shit's so damn stupid. Hey man, it's what's like, bro, like it's look, look, look. I'm just saying, I'm not here to champion Vegeta. Vegeta ain't my nigga, okay? But at the same fucking time, though. At the same fucking time, though, you give Vegeta his fucking props. If we're going to sit here and be real, they snuck Vegeta. That's all. 
but you snuck it and didn't finish the fucking job. And Vegeta has always been that nigga that said, if you don't kill me, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to kill you the next time I see you. And y'all literally gave that nigga his whole roadmap of life. How, Sway? Uh, How? Okay. <laughs> I know this is a little off topic, but this moment reminded me of another moment where it was like the beginning of season five of My Hero Academia, where essentially Bakugo got mad at that one dude for going easy on him. That's literally Vegeta to a degree to where it's like, uh, where I like to make that one meme about Mr. Ruckus from um, Boondocks, where he's just slapping Uncle Ruckus around just for no reason at all, where I just imagine Vegeta just uh, approaching dudes like, did I just, nigga, did I just catch you on going easy on me? Then, boom, kills him. Because I was like, bro, you should have finished him. You should have finished him. <laughs> like, damn. You know, and I'm just being real. As as kid me, back in the day, back in the day, I hated Vegeta. I hated Vegeta with a fucking passion before they got to the towards the fight with Frieza. And I was like, I, right, I see why Vegeta yeah. did what he did. Yeah. But before That's then, why. nah, I hated, I hated Vegeta. So literally, I was one of those people that was like, all right, so they're gonna kill him off. They're gonna kill Vegeta right here. All right, cool, bet. This is where it happens. Nope. Bitch, y'all left, y'all left him living. They just said beforehand that as a saying, these motherfuckers get stronger. The fuck are you doing? And you know what's funny about that? The whole thing is, well, with Vegeta, it's like this dude gets almost killed like almost every saga. Like with um, Goku and his gang, uh, Frieza and his people, Cell and the uh, androids, Majin Buu, like almost every saga, it's like he's always getting his ass kicked to a point where now I kind of believe where, oh, even though it's not confirmed, not at least not by Akira Toriyama, but bro, I can honestly believe at this point that Vegeta very well could be stronger than Goku, not because he trained hard enough to become stronger, but because he kept getting his ass kicked so near close to death to a point where he had more Zenkai boost than any other saint alive bar none. Can I, can I, I just want to do this because, like, to be honest with you, I'm playing Mortal Kombat right now. Um, so you're saying <clears throat> that he is essentially could be Gears. <laughs> To die I mean, multiple times and get stronger every. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna put it's, a, this ain't, a, this ain't a spoiler, but it's probably gonna, it's probably going to be sometime soon. So I'm just gonna say it like it is right now. <clears throat> Vegeta for the next God of Destruction, bitch. <clears throat> we'll get, for those of you that don't know, we'll get there. But I'm just gonna tell y'all yeah. that now. Vegeta for the next God of Destruction, bitch. But regardless, I'm just saying, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry for my fucking rant because. Them bitches are some fucking. Uh, they, they some bitches. They some whole ass bitches. Oh, believe hey. me, I got mo- I got more rants coming soon because the whole entire Ginyu Force was a fucking fraud. Oh, that's why they get their own episode. <laughs> whole, exactly the whole, whole going to have to isolate the Ginyu Force for a whole another episode. That's what I'm saying. The whole entire Ginyu Force was a fucking fraud. Frieza was also sucking dick in the backwoods, flamboyantly look gay ass. And I'm just saying, once again, once again. To, to the alphabet community, don't don't get mad at me. Please don't tell. 
Don't, oh don't, don't champion I mean, these motherfuckers. I'm, like, I'm just saying. Like, so I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This is coming. Yeah. This is this is coming from a person that's gender fluid himself. Just, just saying to you, don't champion these motherfuckers because they're trash. They horrible ass trash. They horrible ass trash. Freezer in particular, and I tell y'all when we get there. But Zarbon, Zarbon is straight eyed now. Oh, we just gonna throw him in there. We're we gonna, we're gonna throw him in there because he a pretty boy and he looked pretty. Bitchy weak. You could have <laughs> left him out. He could have <laughs> stayed on the street so, corner slutting like he was. Oh my God! See, here's the thing, though. Zarbon Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm done. We're supposed to be the people under uh, under command underneath Frieza outside of the Ginyu Force. While the Ginyu Force is a special task force being considered a whole separate thing in themselves, in technicality, because like, let's be honest here, like uh, Frieza does not consider himself general. He considers himself God. Um, so <laughs> leave it at that. The Doria and Zarbon were supposed to be, in a sense, generals. <laughs> Of the army of of, of this particular that area, part. so that now say this particular area because obviously again we learned later on in Super that Frieza still had armies everywhere else that didn't even know that he had died <laughs> until he came back to life. They're like, oh, you, you died? So you me that <laughs> we're uh, still taking order from Amanda? Or you died? <clears throat> yeah, and then it's like I can I can still kill you, and then he kills me. You know what I'm just saying, but. <laughs> It's just that one aspect of it, but either way, um, that that's they were supposed to be extremely powerful. Okay, they they were. I understand the frustration into it, but it, in actuality, they were supposed to be extremely powerful. Um, <laughs> but my gosh, uh, but no, I also want to get a chance. I know before we run out of time onto this one to get a chance to talk about. This motherfucker here, Guru. <laughs> oh no. Because before the Ginyu Force showed up, <clears throat> there was Guru and Nail. Now, look, I'm gonna be honest. And of course, we got introduced to Dende. Dende during this point is the white mage. Uh, he's just really good at healing people, but he doesn't get as much limelight in this particular point of the Frieza saga. It's not until later on. Right now, it's just more so the fact that they, you know, Gohan, so <sighs> back to story, <clears throat> Gohan and Krillin managed to save this particular, managed to get to this village after um, they had already been ravaged by one of Frieza's men. So <clears throat> then they wound up rescuing Dende, who's unfortunately the only survivor. His dad and his brother wound up getting killed. Um, so they rescue him, and like, we have to go to our planet Elder. And let him know the situation, what's going on, and see what he can do to try to help us out. <clears throat> they go there, they meet Nail, who is currently the strongest warrior on that planet. <clears throat> and I say this very badly <laughs> in the fact that that really shows how ill prepared Planet Namek is for an attack. <laughs> see, okay. I'm sorry, Pugas, but I'm just gonna say this real quick. This is why I am so glad Dragon Ball Super Superhero happened because if you've seen what uh, happened with Piccolo, then you'll kind of understand that, bruh, like, Namekians, y'all need to get your shit together because y'all got a whole uh, warrior clan on that planet, boy, that 
pales in comparison to your full potential. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, technically, every race has its own full has its own extreme potential. Just to be honest, but I can. But again, it's, it's like, but they have been in such a long time of peace that they had warriors, but Nail didn't really have any uh, like a, a good decent fight. The only decent fight that he had was when he fought like first level Frieza and. By that point, wound up being proven that there wasn't a decent fight. He was just badly outmatched. Mm. Either way, <clears throat> so we get that opportunity of talking to Guru, talking to um, Guru, who uh, unlocks the potential, the un- un- unlock potential for both Krillin and for um, Gohan. And this one right here, <laughs> there's another point to this as well into the manga. But realistically, like you had mentioned, Gohan's um, true unlock potential that um, Guru did. He in the manga he even mentioned he said, "I've unlocked your potential, but it's up to you to actually reach it, to be able to yep. reach to that point." And so that's one of the things that he specifically mentions, and it's a great foreshadowing all the way to the Buu saga, and of course for Dragon Ball Superhero. Um, this was a foreshadowing. But it was one of those cases like I unlocked your potential, but just because I unlocked it doesn't mean that I've just given it straight to you. You have to get there yourself. <clears throat> but granted, still unlocking that potential allowed him to be able to you know, really grow. One of the things of why that was supposed to be important is because considering the fact that Gohan is a half Saiyan, what happens is, is that the human half of him winds up creating, in a sense, a lock. For Gohan, Gohan didn't have the same Zenkai boost that Vegeta and that Goku had because the hu- he was more in tune to the human side of him and not into the Saiyan side of him. So, because of the fact with him being pretty much multiracial, he only learned about one part of his race. He didn't know about the other one because Goku didn't really know about it. Goku was just full on his race, had all the benefits of it, but didn't even know anything about it until. Vegeta gets a chance to educate him much later on. Yeah, so, I was going to say, uh, uh, if anything, like Vegeta should, like, to an extent, to an extent, because I just can't imagine Vegeta being all that great <laughs> of a teacher, but he could if he actually applied himself. I mean, he kind of did that with Trunks when he was a young, but all I'm saying is if Vegeta actually took more time to tell Gohan about saying nature, then maybe... Yeah, literally, if... Actually, so that was the thing about it. There's a um, a What If comic as well, even for um, Dragon Ball, that uh, that was before... Not, not wasn't even necessarily before Marvel, but before it became really big in Marvel. There was a What If comic also for, um, for Dragon Ball Z as well, too, where the What If was, what if Goku and Piccolo didn't beat... Uh, did not beat Raditz, and Raditz wound up taking Gohan and training Gohan in the actual same way. So in that What If comic, Gohan is a ruthless-ass motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) And that was one of the things that they specifically mentioned into it. They said, for some weird thing, they said, this kid has some type of untapped potential that for some reason, he grows stronger than we do. And we don't, they didn't understand it. Like, literally, at the rate that Saiyans grow, like, you could say... That let's say um, the Zenkai boost is if you lose, you get stronger, like you get like um, double stronger than what you are. Like, so it's like, let's say every time you 
come close to death, but you don't die. You're, you grow two times as strong as you were before that moment. Gohan's potential, and even in, later on is even as well proven for Goten and Trunks as well, that literally for them, if they reach that point of near death and they, and they, they get that Zenkai boost, they grow about up to four, sometimes even five times stronger than they were at that previous moment. That's how big of a jump gap difference it is. And so in that What If comic, Gohan was ruthless as fuck. And in being trained in the same way, Gohan was able to actually take out Frieza himself. Now, granted, it didn't go into too much further than that. It was still mostly it was still mostly fan-made. But at the same time, it was still a pretty interesting comic that they talked into <laughs> as far as how would it have been if a Saiyan actually trained Gohan instead of Piccolo. Because Piccolo could teach him the ways of a warrior, but then at the same time, Piccolo doesn't know the Saiyan race. Piccolo had a hard time going up against Gohan's Azuru form. So it's like, that was something in itself. He was like, what the fuck, man? He turns into this giant-ass, big-ass monkey shit. <laughs> what is going on here? Type of thing. Um, but when you have a Saiyan that knows this, that they are as actually prepared for it, I know your Azuru form. I have one, too. Let me show you how we use it type of thing. And being able to grow along with that, Gohan literally pretty much became Broly. <laughs> like, as far as in power. Like, and that's the thing. And I think it's kind of <laughs> funny, but also I'm kind of glad they're now doing it to where, once again, I'm going to be jumping to the Granola the Survivor art uh, just for a moment to say that I like how at this point uh, Whis had to tell Goku uh, well, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the best way I can say this. Uh, Goku, I see what you're doing, and it's all good, but you gotta be more real with yourself. And by that, I mean you gotta be more real with your saying nature. That's why with the most recent chapter, you're thinking, mm -hmm. oh, well, why did he go mastered Ultra Instinct mode? Instead, he just went to Ultra Instinct sign, but that's the only way that Goku can able to use his more saying nature while using his most powerful power-up at that time to where he needs yeah. that mouth cannon like on Nappa did. <clears throat> so by now, it's like Goku has to understand that he's a full-blooded Saiyan, so sometimes he has to fight like a Saiyan. And yeah. with Vegeta, uh, even though this wasn't exactly uh, introduced in the Granola Survival arc, I felt like ever since the moral arc, it felt like Vegeta has become way more tactical with uh, the way uh, combat should work. In fact, it's almost like, uh, funny enough, I like how in eventually in My Hero Academia, where even though Bakugo don't really like Deku, at least he's have enough raw talent to tell Deku, um, give him some pointers on where he went wrong with his um, little scuffle between you know Deku and Bakugo during that fight, and then uh, what you did, uh, what you did right there, it pissed me off, but that was good. <laughs> but that's just the whole thing. It's like the same thing with Gohan. You gotta apply this with Gohan to where I don't know about Goku, but if anybody, I say Vegeta is the most qualified person to teach Gohan um, saying nature, and if. Gohan actually applied that with his 
uh, potential being unlocked, you know, uh, with being Ultimate Gohan. Uh, bro, the possibilities mm-hmm. almost out the window. Oh, the possibilities are limited. So here's the thing about it, too. Because I can't wait till we finally get to Super Saiyan. When we really get a chance to really talk about it into it. Because I told you before, I had a friend that really talked to me hard about chakras. And how much Akira Toriyama really tried to influence chakras in um, into the Saiyans as far as being able to use that. But going back into Saiyan nature, remember... Goku is Son Wukong, who's still talking about Dragon Ball. Because regardless of the fact Dragon Ball Z, before it didn't really start changing until after the Frieza saga, is when it really just became more about big fights instead of Dragon Balls. <laughs> Remember, still, Dragon Ball Z, the post-Frieza saga, was still about getting those Dragon Balls. That was still the big hunt. we got to get those Dragon Balls. Everything that's happening, but we still got to get those Dragon Balls. Like That was still the main plot point. <laughs> so... The thing about it is, is that, remember, Goku is Sun Wukong. One of the things about Sun Wukong that's specifically mentioned into Journey of the West and into um, into uh, Japanese history, Sun Wukong was always known for his gorilla-like warfare. He was wild. He was unpredictable. And that's one of the funniest things in the fact that as much as we keep as much as that Frieza is a big-ass racist for always just saying, you monkeys, you monkeys, you monkeys all the time, <laughs> there's, big, there's big hints into him saying that. It's one of those cases of stop fighting tactical. That's, remember, that's one of the biggest things when Goku first unlocked Ultra Instinct, even Wiz has said it, and I know I'm jumping again, super, but he, he, when he first unlocked Ultra Instinct Sign, that was that thing specifically... <laughs> That Wiz was like, he's letting his natural instinct take over. And that's why it was important for that. And that was also a good sign into him tuning into his nature. Like, okay, you have forgotten that you're a Saiyan. You remember Mm -hmm. that you're a warrior. You remember that you're a fighter. But you forgot that you are a Saiyan. You forgot that you are the living embodiment of Sun Wukong. You are guerrilla warfare um, perfected. Mm -hmm. You are this complete, unrecognizable creature. No one can predict you. No one can truly understand you. When you really go into battle, there should not be a tactic of your, your martial arts is not standard. And that's why, again, that was one of those things I love that we're getting that tune back into Dragon Ball into that because that was how Goku was such a good fighter in Dragon Ball. He didn't fight tactical. He had his fighting stance, but when he was really winning, it was unpredicted attacks. When everyone else was like, he, I know all of his moves. There's no way he could surprise me. Goku pops out of surprise. <laughs> Goku pops up with random fucking headbutt. He's like, that's not a normal move of yours. <laughs> Goku pops up with the random, like, instead of doing sweep kicks and fucking dragon throws, he randomly takes Vegeta's tactic and starts doing key blasts, like just random key attacks. And they're like, why are you throwing key blasts? Are you, are you so desperate right now? And he's like, no, I'm not desperate. I'm distracting you. <laughs> like, Go- Goku is always supposed to be unpredictable. That was how Son Wukong was, and that's how Goku, his fighting tactic, is supposed to be. So, <sighs> what do you mean? <laughs> I've 
all all of these moves are mine. I I have a signature move. You know, solar flare. That's TN's move. <laughs> oh, that's true. The Makoko. That's my move. No, 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 no. I got it. It's the Maka Kunsapol. Like I had to <laughs> fucking like because they they, <laughs> they cannot pronounce his name. I made a mission to learn how to pronounce his name. It was like Maka Kunsapol. No, no. We fucking Piccolo. It was like Makaka. Makako, Makako, ah, ah, shit, ah, fuck it. Special B. <laughs> Hold on, I forgot. There was one TFS, um, it was one episode. It was, yeah, yeah, it was fucking Sal. It was fucking Sal. Yeah, hadn't got to that point, but still, what yeah. did you do? Yeah, And he was like, Piccolo was like, that's how you fucking say it. That's how you. That's how you fucking say it. <laughs> nah, but I just used that point to say basically that's how Goku is. That when they were saying that, when Goku was like, no, nah, I got special moves. That's my special. No, Goku, you steal people's moves. Goku literally does that. Yeah. Goku will take and incorporate others' moves that he's fought against or has seen and will incorporate it into his stuff. That's what makes him unpredictable. It's supposed exactly. to be that way. Only other thing I want to say here, because I, like I said, I'm letting y'all finish this up and wrap this up. Only thing else I want to say here was simply this. Um, I know I keep talking to y'all fanboys out here. I, I keep I keep saying this because y'all just keep wanting it. Look, if you read the manga and you're updated on the manga, you see the very same person that y'all hate, Superman, Goku's becoming that. You don't have to tell me that. I hope y'all realize that. He's becoming the animated version of Superman. Why would I say this, you ask? Because he's literally having to become a Saiyan. In order to beat people. Meaning he can't have a heart. Ladies and gentlemen. We're going back to the Z days. Because I will say. It's clearly up front. For those of you that saw the tournament of power. In Dragon Ball Super. If we went by Z rules. Half of them people would be dead. This is true. (laughs) Because. Because I'm just. I'm just going to be honest with you. Just going to be honest with you. A point blank Kamehameha disintegrates. That is a shotgun to the face. If you know, you know. Yeah, because I will fight with Kepler. We will get there in the cell arc. <laughs> oh, just yeah. saying, because. You can't write that out. Y'all ain't fin- y'all ain't fin the Mandela effect me. I know what I saw. I was there. I literally jumped up in my room. I got cussed out by my mama. Like, why are you so loud? Because, mom, we literally just saw Cell get disintegrated by a point blank teleport. Kamehameha to the face. True. Yeah. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> are but you yes, telling me that these opponents are so strong they can take on 
a point blank Kamehameha wave <laughs> and just walk away from it? Well, yes. <laughs> Actually, hold on, because this, this this is one that's just this is just funny that I want to mention. This is just funny into this. Okay, remember one of the key things, and this is where like Superman, as far as like the new. Not new fifty two, but the new Superman outside of the sixties and shit. Uh-huh. So, keep in mind when it comes down for key. Remember, you you surround yourself within an aura all the time. By surrounding yourself this aura, you're creating an extra armor per se that allows you to take damage without dying, without um your skin getting badly damaged. So even regardless mm-hmm. of the fact of they they constantly have this armor in front of them, it's pretty much like Gara from fucking Naruto. So when you have this particular type of armor that's in front of you, of your key, if this armor is strong enough, impossible technicality, as long as you're prepared again, because we talked about this mm-hmm. before, when, Goku, when Krillin tossed a rock at Goku, even while Goku, Goku was in Super Saiyan form, he was able to damage Goku's skin. And he's like, how is it that this rock hurt you? And he's like, I wasn't ready for it. And it's like, obviously, if he was ready for it, this rock would have hit him and left no damage whatsoever because his normal key aura that he puts there psychologically, that he just puts there, prevents him from getting any type of thing weaker than that armor. It's the same thing just like armor in video games. Like your character always has like some special type of armor where, I don't know, like I was playing Last of Us um, yesterday, um, a fucking headshot. Like my character got shot in the head. That realistically is instant death, but because there's video game plot armor, <laughs> in the sense that armor says that headshot only took up so much damage, so it didn't actually penetrate all the way yet, per se. And it's the same thing. That's why I say it's funny, because really it's plot armor. Um, but just key armor would allow you to be able to take a command man wave to the face and not disintegrate depending mm-hmm. on the power that's been outputted by this command man wave. If the armor is strong enough to withstand it, it will still prevent your body from physically dying. Not from not getting hurt. It's still like a bulletproof vest. You get shot with a bullet with a bulletproof vest. It won't penetrate mm-hmm. your skin, but you'll have a bruise. <laughs> <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> On that logic, still, based on that logic, and once again, I'm not trying, I know we've gotten off topic, but once again, still based on that logic. Point blank, mm. Kamehameha. You're not expecting that to come directly. It, it that, That's a surprise attack. So that would mean that that's supposed to do what it's supposed to do. That's an instant kill. Like they said in Z. Goku had an aim... Goku had an aim that Kamehameha at Earth that was going to destroy the Earth. It's strong enough to. Instead, he teleported and aimed it itself upward. All right. Now, we're going to throw this logic at you, and I'm I'm done for for this, so we can hop back on topic. If he's aiming that downward at Kefla, Tell me, and she is not, and she's not prepped for that because she's not thinking that's coming. She's not thinking that close range of that is coming. He's not gonna ride this wave up and point that down at my face. <laughs> You're valid. 
But remember they say so <laughs> like I said, I'm done. I'm done. Cause we're gonna talk about this later. I'm, I'm we're gonna talk about this later. This is the reason why I say I have beef. I have beef with a lot of things that are in Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super and Heroes and Superheroes. I have a lot of beef. I have a lot of beef with because there's a lot of stuff that you're trying to say. Oh, this this is no longer in play. This is out the window. <laughs> Bitch, where? <laughs> oh man. But no. Um... No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh no, you good. You good. Go ahead. Finish what you got to say. Because the only thing I'm gonna say is just, I got the last thing I got to say. No, it's, it's no, no, no. Moving. You go ahead because what I gotta say is more like closing arguments. Gotcha. So one thing I got to say, one of the funniest things about it, and I, I haven't had a chance to look into this, so I'm gonna look further into this before we um get a chance to talk about it some more. Uh, one of the funniest things that TFS has done, especially with Guru's character, is make him the person who says that all the white Namekians had to get killed off <laughs> to cause mass genocide, <laughs> 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 and then when Kami. When when Piccolo absorbs Kami and they finally get a chance to go to Planet Dead way later on in the cooler movie, which is not canon, so I can mention it now. But he's like, ah, oh, I remember the peace that we had here, uh, the joy with our white Namekian brothers, <laughs> with our white <laughs> Namekian brothers, and they was like, mm, how long has it been since you've been here? <laughs> I got some shit I gotta tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. <laughs> I don't know. I had to look into this because I think that was just some. That, I think that was just a TFS joke they made, but it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> but just still, it was it was funny. I was excited. I don't know. I had to look into because a lot of times they put in this other stuff. A lot of stuff that TFS would put into these shows, um, into the like into the Dragon Ball Z abridged stuff. You was like, oh, that's that would actually be kind of funny. But then when you actually read the manga. You're like, oh wait, this is actually what it was in the manga. Wait a minute. <laughs> I mean, they had to be doing their homework on the shit before be making a, a bridge series on it. This is true. This is true. So I had to look into this albino Namekians. I need to look into this because it's, it's hilarious. I really think this is just a complete copy of Martian Manhunter from uh, the DC universe. Because remember that yeah, is a that happened there is that you had the green Namekians and the, Alba- the white Namekians, but the white Namekians wiped out the green Namekians. Hold up. Hold, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up. Now, I feel like Dragon Ball Z just sounds a little too familiar with DC Comics at this point because we're already talking about how Goku has so much, uh, well, not a whole lot of similarities, but to an extent, he has similarities to Superman. But it's like I'm today years old, just clicking that bro. Like they pretty much trying to uh, frame the Namekians to be more like Martian Manhunter and his people. To where it's like, yeah, there's a green um, race of us, and then there's the white ones. And um, I believe, if I'm correct, uh, my memory's hazy on this. The white uh, Martians are the bad ones. Yeah. <sighs> In DC, in, DC, the white ones were the bad ones. They were the, the ones words, that um, sought to kill everyone. In the words of Krillin, <laughs> in the words, in the words of Krillin from Team Four Star, we're the silver friends. Fuck that shit. 
<laughs> no, some real shit now. But no, I have. But it's something to look into because it will be something to look into because th- there is. Like in all honesty, if I'm correct, Akira Toriyama did not originally want to call them the Mechians. He want he didn't want to originally call them that. Um, that's the reason why it was stuck with Demon Clan when it was King Piccolo, when it was like the demon race and stuff like that. It wasn't supposed to originally be Namekians. I, I don't know what else it was supposed to be, but I remember reading an interview and they talked about, you know, because he, he talked about how much he likes Piccolo, but he didn't mention, like, he didn't originally want to call them Namekians or Planet Namek. He had another name for it, but I can't remember what it was. So I'm looking to that so we'd be ready for, for next week's episode. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, here's my closing arguments. Like I said earlier, Sometimes you only get stronger. Well, it's like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And that was very well the case with Vegeta. With Zarbon and Dodoria, honestly, I just didn't care for them that hard. Like I just felt like they were kind of just there just to uh, present a challenge to Gohan and Krillin up until it was Vegeta that showed up and killed them one by one with the Zenkai boost. And uh, what was else there was? Oh, yeah. Um, when I said that we do criticize some of the things that we love because we want them to do better, let's never forget that we are criticizing a franchise that was made on the cuff ever since the Frieza Saga. Because honestly, the Frieza Saga is the most well-written saga of the Dragon Ball Z um run i mean from the same saga to the boo saga i would say in my opinion it was the most well written because it felt very intentional from the journey to namek all the way up to uh goku's final fight with um frieza so everybody played an important role like even down like i mentioned from guru and nail like i do agree with you that every every character that was in play Serve some important role that led to the final fight. <clears throat> so I do agree with you on that. All except for the Dorian Zarbon bitch ass. <laughs> they had no they had no important role whatsoever. They played no role whatsoever. All they were all they were I were mean, filler characters. They were just who, there who, to just take them spot. Given, who would have given um Vegeta his Zenkai boost for him to be able to be strong enough to be able to be strong enough to fight against the Ginyu Force? He would have been Bruh. significantly weaker if he had not fought Zarbon. Bruh, I don't give a damn. You could have you could have <laughs> took Raccoon, which I like I said, I which I like I said in, in frauds, <laughs> but you could have took Raccoon and Goldo and got better action out of them than you would have. These two sorry sons of bitches. Like that's that's just how I feel. So, uh, uh-uh. fuck that, fuck all that. You can't change my mind. Them some hoes. Just ain't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. well, well, all right. <laughs> uh, was there anything else I want to mention? Oh yes. Um, when I was talking about Kira Toriyama, basically making. Um, the Dragon Ball franchise on the fly after the Frieza saga is this is why I'm making original stories now to where I'm trying to plan out the entire story in advance before it even become published because by the time you actually see my work don't ask me for any input because everything <laughs> that's going to happen is already predetermined 
So you can bitch and moan all you want to on Twitter or whatever. It's talking about, oh, they should do this. They should do that. And I was like, see, this is why y'all are operating on instant gratification. Y'all want what y'all want right away. But believe me, all that griping y'all going to probably be doing, it's going to be worth it near the end to where it's like, I want the beginning to be great, but not to oversell it to a point where all that the whole journey to the end of that series is like, eh, well, I liked it better during the beginning. So that's why sometimes you gotta set up the beginning to where it's good, but that's nothing compared to when you get to the end of it. So that's why I would say, oh, excuse me. That's why I would say, honestly, with Toriyama, like, I enjoyed the Cell Saga for what it is. Same thing with the Boo Saga and everything else that came afterwards. But at the same time, though, I'm still in that camp where they, on a writing scale, like, as far as writing formula and, you know, planning the shit out, I feel like it should have just ended at the Freezer Saga because, you know, the legendary moment with Goku becoming Super Saiyan for the first time. It's like... Even though there was a lot of things that happened afterwards that was great, it was just more like, and eh, the plot holes and all that just kind of makes it hard. I'm not really hard, but it's like, you know how it is. Like, you're going to have your conflictions with what happened afterwards. Almost the same thing with um, Freeza Saga and before that. But like I said, at least with the Freeza Saga, it is, bar none, the most well-written arc to me. Because at least everything that happened, well, almost everything that happened in the Frieza saga was very intentional. And that's pretty much the same energy I'm going to put in to my original stories to where, once again, if you think uh, I'm just going <laughs> to pander to you by saying, oh, well, you should uh, have add this in. You should make this character do that, I was like, bro, it's already too late. Like, I'm our the moment I wrote it down and I like shipped it off to the publisher and all that. Yeah, like, don't don't even bother because it's my already work with like two editors. We good now. We don't need any continual editing. Appreciate you wanting to edit for free, but no, I much rather pay some people who know what they're talking about. <laughs> type of thing, right? And that's just and that's this whole thing. Not to even invalidate y'all. It's just more on lines of. I will, if anything, I would rather get some uh, constructive criticism from someone who's already in the industry versus someone who just typing up on a keyboard telling me uh, what they would have done differently. I was like, bro, not to be too offensive because, like, honestly, it is what it is. But honestly, bro, if you have all this input on how an anime or a book, or a video game, whatever the case may be, if you have all this criticism for shit like this, I'm kind of surprised you're not in the industry yourself. True. It's like, where's your book? Where's your anime? Where's your video game? If you seem to know so much better than everybody else. (laughs) But that's just me. That's just me. Like, say what you will, but that's just how I'm seeing things. But... Until the next part of the Dragon Ball Z Extreme Review.
we will be talking about the Ginyu Force because, yeah, uh, there's just some things that need to be discussed. And then after that, that's when we're going to do Strictly Freezer. Fraudulence. But- Fraudulence. <laughs> Fraudulence. Fraudulence. I tell you. <laughs> but until then, you stay nerdy, my friends. Great things are coming. And we are zoning out. Peace, y'all. Laters. <laughs>